The first thing is First Thing with Mike Parsons on 760 WJR, where Michigan comes to talk. Well, Renee Vitale, Sean Fain is uh, switching it up on us today. Instead of a 10 a.m. address, he's uh, doing a 2 p.m. address. I had to reset the alarms in my phone. <laughs> Everything is off. Well, I went to bed four hours late just to, uh, you know, make sure that I can adjust here. <laughs> I'm jet lagged already. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm optimistic about you know what uh, what what he's going to be uh, saying. Uh, you know, GM and Ford have made um, progress on contract talks. He took it easy on Stellantis last week because they were making good progress. Do we read anything into the fact that it's at 2 p.m. instead of 10 a.m.? I, I, I'm thinking like maybe 10 a.m. He did it early enough so people uh, could get their themselves together to walk out at noon. Uh, if he's doing a two o'clock address, you know the, the the walkout orders wouldn't wouldn't happen till four p.m., which is the end of the day anyway. He used the word substantial. Yeah, wonder what that is. Yeah, and I don't know if if that necessarily means he's going to announce a deal. That would be great. Right. Uh, but but maybe he just uh, you know gives the the big three a, a week off of anything new. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought the word substantial was interesting because every week's been substantial. Right, exactly. And I, I think the, the, the biggest like, oh, snap moment was when he took down 38 parts di- uh, distributors. But, um, I mean, like I said, mixed symbols. Uh, GM took out that line of credit. Uh, I believe that there's uh, 6,000 people now filing for unemployment. So, uh, we'll see what happens with, with Sean Fain. The thing about him is he knows how to be unpredictable, and and and, and he knows uh, he knows his showmanship. Yes, he does. And uh, by the way, we will be talking about the Mel Tucker um, hearing from yesterday. There's a lot twenty thousand text messages and correspondence that came out. Obviously, <sighs> I, we did not read uh, through all twenty thousand, but but there's a lot there. So. That could go all segment. We'll be talking about that at 534. Get your popcorn ready. Yeah, and uh, and settle in. Uh, so the Biden administration announced that it'll be uh, building 20 miles of new wall at the southern border near the Rio Grande. Uh, he's going to be overriding 26 federal laws to do this, including the Clean Air Act, Safe Water Drinking Act, and the Endangered Species Act, to name a few. Department of Homeland Security uh, Secretary Alexander Mayorkas, he's calling the situation at the border an invasion, which sounds a lot like conservatives during the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, President Biden is saying that they uh, there were funds approved for this new section of the wall back in 2019, and they have to use them or lose them. It's very confusing, Renee. I mean, this seems to be a complete 180 from the tenor of the administration. First thing Joe Biden did when he came in was halt construction of the wall as soon as he got into office. Why is this all of a sudden an, an invasion now when it's been when, when it's been, quote unquote, not a problem this whole whole uh, time that Biden's been on office? Yeah, I, I'm a little confused on how that works, because that was his big. Hey, look, I'm stopping this. Right. This is and now of- all of a sudden he's like. I have to do this. (laughs) The money was allocated. And here's the other thing. Just because the money is allocated, do they need to use it? I mean, is it such a bad thing that uh, this money goes back into the government? I know they're going to waste it on something else, but 
it's just the the whole thing just seems like a complete 180 to me. Yeah, I'm a little confused on how that works, to be quite honest. Especially because um, the Biden administration, they they have this little back and forth with Texas to to remove that floating barrier in the Uh Rio Grande, which I think that thing is abhorrent. Um, But, uh, you know, they're citing federal laws for that, so this kind of undermines it. Um, You know, for me, I'll say the same thing about the wall now. As I said, during the Trump administration, you know, I obviously we need to secure the border. We can't uh, be having, you know, the cartel and El Chapo and his right. folks coming can't in. be a free for all. Right. But however, I don't know if a physical barrier is actually going to work. I don't know if it's the best use of use of our resources, even if Congress has allocated the funds. Right. Um, and speaking of former President Donald Trump, he is uh, trying to postpone Um, the sensitive documents trial. Yeah, lawyers for the president have asked a judge to postpone his Florida classified documents trial until after next year's presidential election. The lawyers say that they have not received all the records that they need to prepare Trump's defense. The trial on charges for, uh, excuse me, the trial on charges for illegally hoarding classified documents at Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort is among four criminal cases the Republican ex-president is facing. The trial is currently scheduled for May 20th, 2024. The defense lawyers argue a postponement is necessary because of scheduling conflicts and because of what they say are delays in obtaining and reviewing the classified records cited in the indictment. Prosecutors deny delaying the production of evidence in the case. Yeah, and it does seem like a very short time to get all of these documents into place. I'm surprised to hear about this, though, because if there's one person who has learned how to take an indictment or take a a political crisis and make them work for it is Donald Trump. He's he's raised so much money off this. He's so good at garnering sympathy, mm-hmm. playing the victim, even when he's the one that screwed up. I, I, I'm, I thought he would be using this as fuel for his whole campaign. They did say it's already over one million pages. Wow. Yeah. So I, I how long you know how they say, like, if you count to a million, it would take you this many years. Yeah. How long would it take you to read a million documents? That's a great point i guess what what you do is you take a bunch of people and say okay we got 10 people you read a hundred thousand pages you read a hundred thousand pages that's gonna be some light reading yeah <laughs> i mean maybe that's the defense you just create such a paper trail there's no possible right, way right uh people can get through it uh i feel like this week renee has been rich with dc tmz stories <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> So, you need that on standby lately. Yeah, I, I just need it on my phone. Right. <laughs> it could be an alert every either, time. Like, either that or we yell, world star. <laughs> uh, so I guess uh, Republicans are really mad at Matt Gates and the, uh, uh, was it eight, uh, seven other Republicans who voted Kevin McCarthy out uh, as speaker. Congresswoman Nancy Mace from South Carolina, she voted to expel McCarthy. She was actually delivered stern warnings before the vote, saying that if she voted against the speaker, the Republican Party may not be willing to help her raise money for her reelection campaign. Of course, Gates, the congressman from Florida, he spearheaded the effort. He's not very popular among the party. Another congressman from Louisiana said that there was a tense meeting after the ouster that he felt might have gotten physical if it wasn't cut short. 
Uh, of course, last week you got reports of a loud shouting match between Gates and McCarthy before uh, McCarthy was voted, voting out. And there's growing talks to expel Matt Gates from the Republican conference, which uh, hosts meetings and is primary source of communication among the GOP. So, uh, of course, they're fundraising off of it because they're getting their funding cut off. But it's weird. Uh, I, I feel weird. uh, uh agreeing with republicans and thinking that matt gates is a uh, up, uh is an obstructionist bozo who um you know he's more he he's more interested in making a name for himself than doing the business of the people which of course obviously is nothing new the, the, the other ones are just better at hiding it so you know speak. what this is mean girls meets house of cards so does that mean matt gates is Lindsay lohan or uh the blonde Oh, Regina George. Yes. You're right. That's what this is. You know what? I think I, I think we need like a recut or we need like some kind. Of, this, we, it could be an SNL skit. Exactly. Which is coming back uh, next month, I believe. Yep. And uh, SAG After has actually um, released a statement giving the full blessing for, for actors uh, who are in the union to go on SNL. I guess they're under. I guess people on SNL are under a, a, a different agreement or they're under some kind of waiver um, that some some of the some of the cast members are part of that union. But uh, since they had an obligation to SNL before the strike, they're allowed to go on. Yeah, Pete There's, Davidson's going to host. Yep, with Ice. Is it Ice Spice? Ice Spice. God, do I sound Look how old. how hip you are. No, I sounded old. <laughs> you sound Ice old. Spice. The Ice Spice. Is she the sixth Spice Girl? <laughs> but, uh, and then I guess they also said people can go on and guest host as well, because they have a loophole or something. Is that the way around? So it, it seems like uh, the 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 actors' union is is giving them some grace. Meanwhile, uh, Drew Barrymore's top three head writers are not returning to her show because they're mad she tried to cross the picket line and um, uh, resume production during the strike. So um, the plot thickens. It's first thing with Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. The last thing each day is to set an alarm for first thing with Mike Parsons. 760 WJR. All right. Sit down, get comfortable. Renee Vitale, the... uh, Is it story time? It's something. Uh, Fired MSU football coach Mel Tucker had his Title IX hearing regarding sexual harassment allegations from... Brenda Tracy, the sexual assault survivor and educator who was hired by the university to educate the football team on the matter. He was not there. He cited a serious medical concern that he's been uh, citing in statements uh, since this this whole saga began. And uh, I know that uh, you were following all this, Renee. And uh, and uh, so uh, tell me what you saw yesterday so, in this hearing i saw a mess uh attorneys representing the former michigan state football head coach uh and they released new evidence regarding the sexual harassment allegation uh from activist and rape survivor brenda tracy the law firm of foley and lardner shared a letter to the michigan state board of trustees and interim president 
Woodruff, uh, Woodruff on Thursday, claiming that they have evidence that undermines Tracy's accusation. Tucker's lawyers are saying that this matter should have never been investigated at all following their release of alleged text messages sent by Tracy. Now, in these text messages, Tucker's lawyers highlight several conversations between Tracy and her friend. Uh, now, I might I might screw up this name. Alan Alvarado. Yeah, it was her personal assistant who yep. has uh, tragically since passed away, so yep. they, they can't talk to them. Right. Now, Tucker's lawyers allege that the text messages suggest that Tracy manipulated a key witness and only provided self-serving evidence to the university. The text messages allegedly show that Tracy was also in a relationship with another married NCAA head coach, Damon Studemeyer, while she had a relationship with Tucker, which contradicts her statement that she doesn't date people in her field. You have some of those text messages. Yeah, and I guess there were over 106 pages of of these text messages. 20,000 messages. 20,000 of them. And, um, yeah, at the time, uh, Damon Stoudemire, who uh, I remember him being a cross-up point guard from the 90s in the NBA, uh, he was the assistant coach with the Boston Celtics at the time, who had their own kind of scandal. The head coach at the time, if you remember, he lost his job because he had an affair with someone in the front office. That one was consensual on both sides. But there there was a lot going on with the, the, those Boston Celtics teams. I believe he now coaches at... Uh, Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech, but yeah, I mean, before I get into these text messages, I feel like MSU botched this so terribly. They tried to sweep it under the rug, and then when it, you know, when it when it hit USA Today, they were just in they were just in cleanup mode, and they probably should have just suspended Tuck from the get go, pending an investigation, because some of these text messages are, um, you know, if they're authenticated, I really don't know what to believe, and, and so let's go to the text messages uh, where Mel Tucker's legal team was trying to paint a picture of Brenda Tracy, essentially trying to extort Mel Tucker, um, according to uh, Mel Tucker's legal team. Um, This is from Click on Detroit. says, in the letter, Tucker's lawyers also insinuated that Tracy was motivated by uh, financial gain. September 21st, 2021, uh, Tracy told Alvarado, uh, her friend, that her attorney was reaching out to Michigan State about a settlement. Uh, the text message reads, a, a Karen, a lawyer, is reaching out to the head lawyer at MSU to discuss what it might look like moving forward. Uh, I think that's a settlement. Um, she's going to gauge the response, and we will go from there. But it sounds like we will be asking Tucker to not speak on me or the incident, and him or MSU will need to make an anonymous donation to STE. That's uh, Brenda Tracy's nonprofit set the example so that we can further our work. Um, and Mel Tucker didn't really speak on this. Uh, we, 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 we heard nothing about it till um, the, the 11th after their second game. And uh, we were talking about this, Renee. This is such a tough story to follow because most news stories, you kind of watch them evolve. Right. This thing evolved over a long period of time in secret. So we're all kind of trying to play catch up here. Well, he was probably advised by his attorney not to speak on it. Yeah. And according to Tracy, um, she said that she wasn't going to speak on it um, until her name was leaked to the media. Uh, which is contradicted in these texts a little later on. The text messages continue. Excuse me. Um, Karen said once she can test their tolerance, MSU, 
Like, do they just want this to go away? Then she'll be able to better help them make a decision. Having him just sign an NDA, though, just means he did it. No one will know there are no consequences for him. And uh, I'm guessing that means the consequences of the call in question where they allegedly uh, where Tucker felt like he was having um, a consensual phone sex. And she said that it was not consensual. I'm guessing that's what she's talking about. Uh, that, the consequences. that was my take on it. Yeah. Um, and September 1st, 2022, um, Tracy texted uh, uh, Alvarado saying money is my only recourse to make him feel like there's a punishment. Several minutes later, the letter claims Tracy texts when they when they do the money, I should make him pay me ten thousand mm. dollars directly or, or ask anyway. December 9th, 2022, Tracy to Alvarado. I'm filing a formal complaint with MSU. Karen said after that, we can let him know that we want to come into an agreement. Then it doesn't have to go to a hearing or anything unless he wants to. Letter claims that uh, one week before Tracy filed her complaint against Tucker, she admitted to being down $5 uh, to to her last $5. Uh, the text say, so apparently I was supposed to be paying down the 2018 taxes. I guess she was having money trouble and not staying caught up on the other years because now the IRS wants their money. Now, um, these tax, this is where I get a little confused, Renee, because um, we've been hearing about this ESPN reporter this whole time, mm-hmm. how this there is an ESPN reporter who is allegedly working on a story about the Mel Tucker allegations. Um, the ESPN reporter in question was asked about it, and they said they they heard nothing about it. It, it, it wasn't true. Um, she texted Brenda Tracy, uh, uh, her friend Alvarado, said, I just talked to my new ESPN reporter. Alvarado said, how did it go? Brenda Tracy says, good. I like him. He said that they aren't going to do anything yet, but obviously if they get tipped off about other outlets or if MT, Mel Tucker, I guess that that's mm-hmm. who that is, does something, they would need to cover it. Alvarado, that makes sense. Tracy, it does. And I told him I understood the process and all that, but I'm also trying to get through the school process without public input. Alvarado, exactly what did he say to that? Tracy, he said he understood and bearing other circumstances, he would try to make sure that happened. Tracy, his hands are tied in some stuff. Alvarado, well, I'm glad you were able to communicate that. Tracy, but he said he understood about me wanting control over the process and why that was important to me. Alvarado, it's important. Tracy, uh, he's the guy who did Kyle's story. I'm not sure. So, uh, you know, there was a back and forth about this ESPN reporter, um, which is a big question mark in this whole thing because ESPN said they've they've heard nothing about this story. So there's a lot of conflicting stories in here. Um, you know, I, I guess it comes down to whose story you find more believable, but I'm not, I'm not sure if the fact that the phone call in question was consensual or not, I'm not sure if that matters in the context of Bell Tucker keeping his job because we found out it's, it sounds like both of them fudged their stories to investigators. Um, Mel Tucker said that the phone call in question, which he thought was consensual phone sex, Brenda Tracy said it was unwanted sexual harassment. He said it was done on his own time in his home, I believe, here in Michigan. Investigators found out that uh, it was done in Florida on a trip on a trip to promote um, some kind of program for MSU. So all this might be a moot point, because if he was fraternizing even consensually with a university vendor while on university time, 
that might be grounds to fire him. Well, and I found it interesting, too, that she was trying to get Alvarez's electronic devices while she was on her deathbed. Did you hear that part? I I didn't hear the deathbed part. Um, And the family thought that was interesting that she wanted her electronic devices. They're going, what is is her deal? What's going on here? Yeah. Um, So now we know why. Yeah. It's a it's a twisted it's a twisted web. And uh, I think that this story is going to get even more salacious and uh, it, it could turn out there's two bad guys here, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that's it's starting to look that way. Yeah. And, and that's kind of how things often go. So um, the JR morning crew will be covering this throughout the day. Um, there's another hearing scheduled for this afternoon. Uh, but like I said, I mean, I, I think if anything, this shows how badly Michigan State handled this. They tried to keep it sweep, keep it swept under the rug. They tried to schedule it for the bye week, which I think is very tone deaf. Yeah. Um, I think maybe what they should have done is um, maybe suspended Mel Tucker as soon as they found out there was an investigation. Because here's the thing with these details. I know the university has been trying to claim plausible deniability and, and say um, that, hey, we don't we don't learn the details of these investigations. But they but 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 they should have because this is a PR nightmare and they've been trying to play catch up and and they should have learned their lesson the first time. They really should have. Yeah. I mean, zero tolerance err on the side of caution. Right. That way, if it turns out that these 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 text messages um, that Tucker's team um, submitted to the university are legit then, you know, they could say, okay, well, the investigation, um, you know, shows that there's no proof or the investigation shows that there is proof and they can make a decision. But now it's just a big tangled mess. And I think that uh, this is a good lesson for institutions to maybe take on these crises head on instead of trying to hope they go away. Mm -hmm. And then just uh, that just compounds the mistakes later on. Uh, we are late. Uh, like I said, we just ver- barely scratched the surface of that. Um, we'll bring in the JR Morning Crew uh, next. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. All right, and heading into the home stretch, first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale. And it's that time of morning we bring in uh, the JR Morning Crew. And guy's gone, so Uncle Lloyd and Aunt Jamie are in charge today. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Good morning, guys. We're going to let you watch TV and eat candy this morning. <laughs> that right. Dad's gone. Yeah, that yep. sent me home. Yeah. Yeah. I'll hopped up. <laughs> uh, sad news. I did not know. I, I don't know if Dick Buttkiss um, was ill. The The news of his death yesterday kind of took me by surprise. And, um, you know, I think the interesting thing about Dick Buttkiss is no matter what generation you are, you remember him from something, Right. You remember him either as the, the the Hall of Fame linebacker that he was, or you remember him from his movies. Um, you know, I am a millennial, and what I remember him from is Saturday morning. We didn't have cartoons. We had TNBC, which, you know, shows like like Saved by the Bell and of yeah, that ilk. Right. Okay. Yeah, I remember and those. I, I remember him. Uh, he played the basketball coach on Hang Time, a show about a uh, – uh, a, a female basketball play, player playing on a men's basketball team. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I found out that uh, he was a football player playing a basketball coach, my mind was blown. The 90s were wild. 
Well, I mean, it's sad. This is one of those legends of the game who's no longer with us, yeah. the monster of the midway, and people are really reacting to it on Twitter and such. And they, they are, and, you know, um, Nick showed us a, a video of him uh, making this tackle. I mean, it, in today's... Violent yeah, tackle. There would be flags flying everywhere. Yeah, yeah. he would he would have been suspended. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah there would be an investigation. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it just wouldn't fly these days. But no. he was a monster, man. Yeah, he really was. So uh, rest in peace, uh, Dick Butkus. He was one of the he was one of the first, um, uh, along with uh, uh, the the name of the guy from the uh, Lions who played uh, Alex Karras. Uh, oh yeah, one of the the very first to kind of parlay. Um, a, a Hall of Fame uh, professional sports career into, um, you know, success in other avenues of and stuff like that. Yeah. After. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so I, I got to say, I'm a little worried about uh, Commander Biden, President <laughs> Biden's German shepherd. Oh, um, he's a very bad boy. Well, he's got he had to he had to be removed. Well, and that's the thing. It's very vague. They're saying he is off campus and we're making. Uh, or we're making decisions, uh, further decisions on him. Maybe he's being trained, really, for I, real, this time. Did they take him to Petco and get him some training lessons? <laughs> Perhaps they got, like, a one-on-one situation yeah. at Petco. But, you know, they have their houses in Delaware. Just send them over there. Well, that's the thing. I mean, okay, this dog bit people 11 times, Yeah. right? At a certain point, that's not on the dog anymore. Right. After your dog bites somebody twice, you think, okay, maybe this is a stressful situation. And, uh, you know, we should remove him and and, and, and put him somewhere else where he's not going to be that stressed out. Well, this is the second dog. Major. They had Major that had problems, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, you know, we've talked about this so much. There shouldn't be a breed ban in the White House. No. <laughs> no. You might have to. You might need to ban some people. <laughs> maybe, or maybe better trainers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I was gonna say. I, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's because I, I, I'm a sap, but I feel like everyone else is to blame but the dog. Yeah, I agree. I'm a dog lover as so well. So you know, who knows? We had this dog growing up who did this a couple times, but not mm. eleven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But right. he was just a good ju- judge of character. He didn't like people and we decided those people weren't good. Oh, that, there you go. Yeah. Good judge. And what kind of dog was it? Well you're gonna say because oh. it's a Doberman. Ooh. But usually That was the flavor of the week at a time. Had, yep. Throughout yeah. growing up we've had like four or five Dobermans. They've all been sweethearts. Yeah. This one didn't like a couple people. Well and a Doberman's a dog you don't want to get on the wrong side of. No, we we have a little poopsie dog, and if she were the size of a German Shepherd, uh, we'd all be dead. And um, well, and my house, our house would not be standing. And my dog <laughs> is a is one is a, a poopsie dog too, but she thinks she's a German Shepherd. That's the thing. Oh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's not afraid of anybody. <laughs> you know, whenever I get ner- whenever I get nervous, Lloyd, Jamie, and Renee, I, I say to myself. Approach everything with the confidence that a small dog approaches a large dog with. Yep. That's right. right. That's, That's a it. great way to live. And oftentimes the small dogs scare the big ones. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I, there's nothing. There, there's something about a, a big, scared, uh, sweet baby dog that is so endearing. So uh, we have a lot to get to. Stay tuned. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale. You can find the podcast wherever you get your shows. Just look up. First thing, WJR at uh, all the normal places.
Not surprisingly, the amount of motorcycle deaths have spiked by 34% since helmet laws relaxed back in 2012. First Lieutenant Mike Shaw of the Michigan State Police discusses the increase with Kevin and Tom on All Talk. I know, you guys like to have your hair flowing in the wind while riding your bike, but it's dangerous. We know that, you know, since Michigan made helmets optional for adult motorcyclists, uh, the roads have witnessed a pretty hair-raising surge in fatalities, 34% increase, Kevin, over the past decade. Tom, in a headline that should surprise nobody, motorcycle death spikes since helmets became optional for Michigan adults. Uh, seems to make sense. Uh, seems like a dangerous game. I, man, when you're driving down the freeway and mm-hmm. a motorcycle uh, surprises you and zips by you, uh, and then they, you, they're not wearing a helmet, you just... You just you say a little prayer. I do. And I think, dude, it just, it just takes a fender bender in my car for you to be maybe a fatal Ugh. accident. Let's bring in Lieutenant Mike Shaw, uh, Lieutenant for the Michigan State Police. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am good. How about you guys? Good. Uh, doing good. Uh, thanks for joining us today. You know, the headline uses the word spike. I never really know what spike means. I don't know if that's a, a, a large spike, a small spike. Uh, uh, but tell us about uh, the, the situation uh, the concerns about uh, riding a motorcycle without a helmet and, and what we're seeing out there? Well, usually when we see the word spike in headlines, we don't know what that means either. So <laughs> we're not really responsible for writing those headlines. Uh, so what we do know is uh, crashes, right? They're not accidents. Something happens where one of the drivers does something that they're not supposed to or both um, that causes a, a collision between either a motorcycle, a car, two cars, trucks, etc. Uh, we also know that uh, if you're riding a motorcycle, that you're probably at the losing end of that uh, that traffic crash, even if you do everything that you're supposed to do, um, just because of the sheer physics of the crash, right? There's a large amount of uh, SUVs out there now, pickup trucks, and even smaller cars. Uh, if you're hit when uh, you're involved in a crash and you go down and your head hits the pavement and you don't have a helmet on, it's uh, it's probably going to result in some type of fatality. So we need to kind of talk about a couple of things that kind of got skipped over in that article that you guys are discussing. And, and that's just crashes as a whole. We're seeing a whole lot of risky driving behavior out there um, from excessive speed, following too closely, things like that. And then you add a motorcycle to it, it kind of makes it even worse. So we want to make sure that people don't think that it's always the motorcyclist that's at fault because that's not true. Um, it's a, it's a combination of both usually. I would I would imagine uh, driving riding a motorcycle, you're not nearly as distracted driving as you are driving a car. And we know that distracted driving has been a huge problem since uh, cell phones have entered uh, every, every car. Um, how have the number of cra- have the number of crashes gone up dramatically because of distracted driving, and, and therefore the number of crashes for motorcycles would just go up as well. Uh, we have seen that, sure. Uh, you know, people that are paying attention more to their phones or what's going inside of their car than actually the road in front of them. Uh, but what we're actually seeing here, especially in the metro Detroit area, uh, that's one of the big three we're seeing. The other one is excessive speed. And we're not talking, and again, you're not supposed to go five miles over the speed limit, but let's be realistic. Um, we're not talking that. We're, we're talking drivers doing 100, 110, 120. And it's not like a, a random thing that you only see every once in a while. Um, our troopers are catching those drivers on a daily basis. And then the second thing is just following too closely, right? And we've all seen it, right? You're you're driving along and somebody's behind you and they're not happy with the speed that you're going to, so they get right on your bumper. And then when you have to slow down for the car in front of you, they end up rear-ending you. Now imagine if that's a motorcycle, right? 
so what we recommend is, and, and I get it, there's a lot of motorcyclists out there that like to ride without their helmets and, you know, but if you wear that proper equipment, you have a better chance, right? Uh, so we really want people to start looking at one, uh, most traffic crashes involving motorcycles are not happening on the freeways. They're actually on the side streets and they're at left turns and intersections because mm. people don't look for that motorcycle, right? They're looking for large cars, things like that, trying to make their left turn miss out on that motorcycle. And then too, you know, I always say um, it's kind of like in baseball, right? A cup is uncomfortable and nobody likes to wear one until you get hit, right? It's the same thing with a helmet. A helmet may be uncomfortable and you don't like to wear one until you're involved in a crash. So wear that helmet. Yeah, and what's surprising to me about this this uh, information, this data that came out, is that the number of motorcycle-related crashes have actually gone down, but the fatalities in the, that number, that pool of crashes, has gone up. So what do you say to a motorcyclist who said, listen, it doesn't impact anybody else but me. It's my right. It's my freedom. If I die, I die. It doesn't impact anybody else. Why should this be a law in the first place? And I don't know if you're advocating for a law here or not, but you're certainly advocating for safety. What do you tell a, a motorcyclist that says it only impacts me? Why do you care? Well, it, it really doesn't. So first of all, there's all the people that witnesses you dying on the roadway. So it's a traumatic experience for those operating a motor vehicle out there and see you actually die. But they, a motorcycle crash at a high speed is not a pretty thing to witness. Second, it takes the troopers off of what they're doing otherwise to go out there and police that traffic crash, right? It slows down commerce. It shuts down the freeway. We have to do all this kind of stuff to get this all cleaned up so it impacts motorists as they're driving. And then last, it impacts your family. Uh, I have made those death notifications where I've gone up there and told them, hey, you know, I'm sorry to let you know that your loved one has died in a crash. It was probably preventable um, if they had a helmet on. So it does unpack a lot of other people other than you. And then I think sometimes when you're saying that, well, it only affects me, that's a pretty selfish statement. It is. And uh, I, I know that death is one of those things that impacts a lot of people for a very long time. So I absolutely am a proponent of people wearing helmets if you're going to ride a bike. Uh, can you talk to the drivers again? Because as you said before, it's not always a motorcyclist's fault when they get in a crash. It's hard to see them. Uh, you got people tailgating behind a motorcyclist, those types of things. What do you want to tell drivers? So I want to tell motorcycle operators, one, to get an endorsement. Uh, we're still seeing a large amount of those motorcycle operators that don't have an endorsement. So go out there and get your endorsement. Learn how to ride correctly. Second, wear those articles of clothing that covers all your skin and also makes you visible to other drivers. Third, wear a helmet. If you're operating a car in these time periods, and Michigan's changing, so we don't know exactly when motorcycle season starts or stops, but always look for that. Look twice. Expect a motorcycle, especially at intersections. That's where we're really seeing our large amount of crashes is when a driver's making that left turn or somebody's coming out of like a subdivision onto a main road and they try to cut across as soon as they can. They don't see any cars uh, because that's what they're looking for. Uh, they miss that motorcycle operator. So just be careful. Drive the speed limit. The same things that we tell people all the time. Don't follow too closely, especially when a motorcycle is involved. I know to drive a car, you have to take a course and get a license and things like that. Do you have to do that for a motorcycle? Can I just drive a motorcycle with my driver's license? Uh, what you have to do is you have to go into the Secretary of State and actually take a test, a road test and, and a written test. Uh, but we recommend that you go out there. There's a lot of colleges 
um, motorcycle shops, different places that take or offer uh, classes that teach you how to ride in a controlled environment before you get out there. And, you know, I, I took one of those classes when I first rode a motorcycle uh, and, and it helped out greatly. And sometimes it's good just to get that refresher course. So I'll offer you those to you as well to kind of as you get better along and more confident in your riding skills. It also gives you an opportunity to see some of the things you might be doing wrong and get those refreshers in. So absolutely, you should take one of those classes. Yeah, that's so good. Good advice. Appreciate it very much. First Lieutenant Mike Shaw from the Michigan State Police. Thanks so much. All right, when we come back on First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale, uh, the Mel Tucker Title IX hearing was yesterday, and uh, there was a lot to get through, so we'll uh, do our best.